0: What's up everybody? Welcome to episode nine of the Buhai N12 Podcast. Really excited about this episode. Tarek Brock, the first base coach of the Pittsburgh Pirates of Major League Baseball, is coming on and it's really excited to be able to hear his journey coming straight out of high school to the minor leagues. And then playing in the majors and then transitioning to coaching in the majors um, really has an amazing outlook on coaching and developing players but also it's just fun to hear some of his stories of of coming up and really chasing that dream of playing professionally so i hope you guys enjoy this also featured here is uh our good friend um alex figueroa from episode seven he's actually the one who um introduced us to Tarek, and he's on here as well sharing a few stories hope you guys enjoy what's up coach mikey what's going on man Man, exciting time right now. Glad to have Alex back on the podcast. And he brought a friend, a good guest. And, man, welcome, Tarek Brock. How are you doing? How's everybody doing? Thank you for having me. Man, you know, Tarek, um, Alex has been telling us a little bit about you. And right now, you are, um, uh, where, where are you at right now?
1: Uh, I'm with the Pittsburgh Pirates right now. I'm the outfield coach and uh,
0: handle first base coaching during the game as well. Well, um, so you um, are you in uh, L.A. right now? In, uh, or yes, are that's you where in, I'm
1: from. Is- I'm, I'm in L.A. Uh, quarantining like everyone else is <laughs> right now at this time. Yeah. And uh, just waiting to hear the good word to where we're heading back and everything is safe.
0: What what are they saying right now? As far as like um, you know, your team to you guys, and I mean, obviously, I know it's practicing and stuff like that. I mean, you you had the uh, the season, you know, kind of on hold. So, what's the situation right now?
1: Is do everything that you can to uh, <clears throat> excuse me, maintain the games that you got in spring training, and um, just keep moving around, uh, hit when you can, throw where you can, where it's safe, and and run. Um, and then okay. we get back together, then we'll just have to, uh, if it's three weeks, two weeks, or four weeks, just get ready to go, prepare
2: to get ready to go. And run. and uh, jo- John, run was a thing that Terry can do very well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. So Terry, well,
0: want, he can probably still do um, it, right? Go ahead, Mikey.
3: I, I'm a teacher, and, you know, we, we have been introduced to Zoom and Zoom meetings. Do you have Zoom meetings with your coaches or the players that you work
1: with? Um, I've been fortunate to have Zoom meetings with my team, with just the coaches. We had Zooms with the players. And I've just had Zooms with just coaches all around the world. Just to uh, grow the coaching community, uh, bridge the gap to where it's not like, well, you know, I'm at this level, you're at this level, and because you're lower – you're irrelevant. It's like, no, it's like, we have a huge responsibility. So if I can help out young coaches where I fell short or where I didn't get the help, that's my main goal right there. And just that's see awesome. that high school coaches, junior high coaches, like they're just as important as the independent coaches or the guys that give lessons.
0: Wow. So the, the, let me, Um, Alex was mentioning, I mean, you, You know, you're already getting right into it with the coaching. I want to go there. But, you know, Alex is always, you know, he's a great storyteller, as you know. (laughs) (laughs) But so you guys met in high school, is that correct?
1: Yes. Like So all of a sudden, all we heard was that we got this guy (laughs) uh, that's transferring. And this guy has a Nick Cannon for an arm, thunder in (laughs) his back and he runs like hurricane winds. And I'm like, like who is this dude? Where is he that was Alex. That was Alex. He, he showed up and I'm like, this dude should be like a GQ model or something like that. Like not no baseball player. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the mustache. <It> must. <laughs> I'm like, who, who is this dude right here? But immediately he made our team better. Like he upped the ante for guys that was in Hawthorne, California, but we also like came from different areas. Like he made us up our game. And I was a part time baseball player back then. I played football and would come over and just play baseball instead. And like he made me up my game tremendously because he took my spot. <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> he took my um, spot, man. <laughs> uh,
0: when well, you were um growing up was uh baseball uh, where you started or like how old were you? You started playing organized sports and like what sports were that? Wow.
1: So here's a cool thing. Um, My parents moved uh, next to a park and right across the street, I'm talking three big steps and I'm in the park was a baseball field. And I remember seeing opening day, I'm hearing horns, kids clapping. And I run up my bed, and I look across the street, and I see blue uniforms, red, yellow, black. And guys are carrying banners in parade, and they play games all day, and I watch. And I turn to my parents, and I said, I want to do that next year. From that point, I was seven years old, and I remember the next fall, they signed me up. I got the number eight because I was eight years old and it was the twins, so I thought I was Rod Carew. (laughs) I just remember falling in love with the game at that moment.
3: So obviously, baseball is your first
1: love. Baseball is my first sport I participated in; was a love, but I love football. Like I had a family member who played professional football, so I wanted to be like him. You know, he was a quarterback, so I would drop back and. Throw a pass and jump on my bed and and I would just do all the things (laughs) that kids would do, Um, but it was just something about baseball that I just couldn't shake at all. That I, you know, by going into high school, I played summer ball instead of going to football, and I end up being um, the ball boy for the first three weeks as a punishment of coming out so late.
0: But it was worth it
2: though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When when you were uh, a kid, did you um? When did you start playing football? Like like you know, because I know back in the mm-hmm. day, I mean, your class of ninety one, right? right? Me and uh, uh, Mikey are class of uh, ninety three, but you know, sports like for kids and the training and all that kind of stuff wasn't the same back in the day that it is now. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, were you playing tackle? What, how how early were you playing tackle football? I started
1: everything at the age of eight. So I went from oh, baseball wow. right into to football and that was it every year. It was football, baseball, that was it. And the training was practicing in that sport. But in between right. that,
3: we, yeah, we rode yeah.
1: bikes. We played yeah, yeah. over the line. <laughs> we played pickle. We ran routes in the streets, got pushed. You know, hit the concrete, got up, and you just kept playing. Like, we raced, you know, in the hot, you know, asphalt with our socks on, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's what we did. And that was, that was our training. But we got more reps in, in just life and sports than most kids get in the lifetime
0: nowadays. Well, right. What do you think of that? I mean, as a coach who's coaching, you know, professionals, and you're watching guys, and, and looking at guys coming all the way up from their start to, you know, making a living doing it, you know, it's you, you get like even my son, he's only in eighth grade and, and he's already chosen basketball. He goes from team to team to team to training. And then, you know, it's funny. My little son plays little league. And when the older son tries to, he can't even hit, you know, he's, the little son's laughing at the older son because he can't hit the ball. He can't, right. keep, the ball's hitting him in the head when he catches. Cause he's, he stayed in one sport. I mean, that's more common now. What do you think of that as a coach?
1: Man, I'm going to say something, man, in, in my personal experience, it breaks my heart because my oldest son uh, played football and he played baseball and baseball was too slow, so he went to football and track. And how he was penalized by the football team, or the coach in particular, because he wasn't at every single practice in, way- in, in ways where if you weren't at the practice, not because you just wasn't coming out, but you were working on your speed, that would make you an mm-hmm. asset when you hopped on the football field. Yeah. Like, that wasn't welcome. Now, this is, the, this right. is I'm going to brag because I only got one kid that ran track. We're talking about the two time hundred meter state champion and you're penalizing him because he's going to sectionals, regionals. And, and they're also saying, oh, yeah, by the way, he's a football player. And so <laughs> this is what really like gets underneath my skin. All these doggone coaches that said you got to play one sport, one sport, one sport, were two sport athletes at one point in time in their life.
0: Right.
1: And they had to choose, yeah. like most people have to choose, you weren't good at one, so you needed to go to the other sport that you were excelling in. So with that being said, Do you think- with all your what you experienced, why wouldn't you make the path easier for those behind you? And the reason why you don't right. is because you're having your Tupac moment, and it's all about you. Is not the yeah yeah
3: yeah and i think it leads to like um these overuse injuries where kids are just they're so focused on one sport they don't give the muscles time to rest and use other muscles for the different sports i think specialization is something that has uh, definitely changed the mindset and um I wish kids did do more than one sport. I see.
1: I, I agree with you, but I'm, let's let's go with the deeper dive. Like, let's go with the final details. Okay, so you can specialize in one sport, but when do you rest? What does that recovery mm-hmm. time look yeah. like? What are you doing? Right. And so what happens is, is our generation of coaches and the ones that was just below us, we have told these kids, and these kids are great listeners. We tell them you got to go hard all the time. Leave it alone. Yeah. And so what happened? They go hard all the time. When I was at when I was at home, I threw a ball against the wall and I took an, a, a you know an additional two hundred and fifty ground balls today. So you got kids hearing these things don't know how to digest it and they're going out and doing it. We did it because that's all we had. Like they got practice. Right. Well, they could practice at six thirty or eight thirty or even 1030 <laughs> in the mornings in the summer. Well, we didn't have that. Like, we were trying to figure out, our parents were trying to figure childcare out. Like, what am I gonna do with my kids right. for eight hours <laughs> while I'm at work? Just stay inside, don't burn them right. down. That's great. <laughs> but that's not what these kids have. And so we're the generation that are coaching of leadership. We're burning out the kids, not the kids. The kids are just right. being great right. listeners. Let's just call them great disciples. Yeah. And so we're, we're hurting them. Like, this is what your rest and recovery period should look like if you are a two-sport athlete or if you're a one-sport athlete.
0: Well, initially, when I hear you talking, um, you know, sometimes I think, like you said, the guys are – some of the coaches are about themselves, maybe, uh, you know, focused on, on their, their success and the, that – In that sport for that team, but then I also think about you know, my son will go play in like a city league game, you know, a school game, and basically every other coach, and they're talking about seventh grade, right? Every other coach you're playing against, they got their own club, right? Right. And they go, Hey, who's your kid? You know, oh, 21. Oh, hey, man, ball handler, okay, hey, man, you guys on a club, and you know, so every time now it's a i mean it's big business Mm -hmm. you know it's not even about oh they want your kid because he's good but like hey this is another body i mean that's how i feel when when they talk to me like because they're gonna charge me some grants to put my kid in some tournaments and then it's hard because i gotta watch like who these guys are you know and and again i don't want to burn my kid out either right but you you get caught up i'm watching like kobe and they're like man he's working so hard and you forget this is a professional athlete and you are showing your kid look what kobe does you know right. and, and you and and put it in their mind like you said they're good listeners and they want to be great too right. you know so it when the business comes into it in the youth sports now back in our day it was a little different you know you had different organizers how, how does that affected um like your perspective on coaching and, and, and these kids what, as the business comes into it at that young age?
1: You know, it's, uh, and this is hard. I, I personally don't like to, I don't judge volunteer coaches. I praise volunteer coaches, right? right. Volunteer coaches, like they're basically paying to coach your kid, whether it's good, <laughs> yeah. bad, or indifferent. So we can't get mad if a volunteer coach is not that good. Like I'm sitting in the stands. I could be out there but I'm sitting in the stands while he's doing it. He paid gas to drive there and drive. back. I'm not going to say nothing. Let me give you a hug. High five. Let me give you a gift card when it's done. If you are taking money and it's more of side money as a labor of love. Okay. I'm going to hold you to a high standard because anytime you take, if it's $25 and it's advancing your family, I'm holding you at the same level that I hold myself at. Right. And so, now let's take it to a different level. If this is your source of income, and like this is right. what you feed your family with. Now here's a whole different thing. Now I'm going to hold you at pro level of coaching and Whoa. mentoring and bringing people along. Like you can't be winging it. Like you need to have a plan for every kid in that organization or it's too big for you. And you're, you're, you're cheating, like you're cheating families because I see parents that save up all year to take a summer trip yes. to Arizona or Florida, and that's their summer trip, is watching their kids chase a dream.
2: Oh my god! And some
1: parents are going yeah. in debt for that. No family vacation. Yeah. We went to Orlando, we squeezed one day of Disney in, one day of Epcot, and the rest, we were on the backfields at ABC Wild World of Sports. Like, see, that, to me, that's tough, that's hard, that's your memory. And right. i had people to come like, it's my son's senior year of high school. We've paid, and here's the thing. This is what they say, and this is where it breaks my heart. We paid all this money for private lessons, for travel ball, and all this stuff, and he doesn't have a look right now. No one's sniffing at my door. So that tells me everything that they did. Was for, for that. It wasn't for, my son is having fun, he was doing that. We're telling kids at four, you can be A-Rod. Man, get out of here, he's special how about tell your son he could possibly be the 25th man on the roster and just see, like, you can do whatever you want. So now we're building up players, young players, about that just because they could run, jump, or throw. But we're not talking about, man, you're smart. Man, you have great character. Like, we're not praising them for stuff like that. So now now when they get the pro ball when I was a coordinator, now we're trying to help and mold kids and work on their character at 18 once they left them. Wow. Instead of the parents weren't doing it there because they were catering because they wanted their kids to live the American dream. The American dream is that we all wake up with the opportunity to do something to advance the culture of, human, of the human race, our families, and, and others. Like That's the American dream. Not just to be a damn ball wow, you know, that, that you earn six figures, you come up with this charity, like, and look at me. It's like, no, it's like, that's not what it is. But that's what we base success on. And that's the, the part, and our kids right. get lost in that. Now when a kid gets cut from his high school team, his world is upside down. So we got kids that are 13, 14 years old, or however they are nowadays when they get in high school, that's going through depression because that's all they were growing up was the, the kid that that's all he did was just play sports.
0: Man, that's, that, they, that is a, a awesome perspective. And that, I mean, as far as, you know, cause I, as a parent, you know, I'm listening to you right now and it's, uh, you know, it, you want, I say, the things that you're saying right now about character and, and we believe that as a as a as a organization but at the same time man I, you know i get caught up in those hoop dreams for, for my real. kid or like hey maybe he could do this someday you know and and then i'm like but what'd you do today you know I, i'm here in the philippines i'm like hey just send me your workout but, you know but i mean he he loves doing it on that side but you know but i'm some days he wants to play uh video games you know and and again our whole our whole at least theoretically you know I'm telling him and telling my wife and you know hey, all I care about is that he learns the culture of practice and preparation how to pursue something, and that is true, but at the same time, I get caught up and and i you know I keep my mouth shut with the with the um uh, volunteer coaches, but but not to Mikey on the side. I'm like, no, do yeah. do that. You know, yeah. <laughs>
1: for for real. Like, when my kid was playing baseball, I was like, man, I had all this stuff. Like, man, this is gonna be so cool. And then I start. <laughs> myself because I started to think, man. Remember that time when that pitcher in high school came and he was throwing a two seamer. You kept swinging and missing. You got so frustrated because like, you start to remember this is an extremely hard journey where there's so many times where I had so many micro quits. Like I had a ton of micro quits and I had one huge quit. Like here was a huge quit. I just get married. Uh, My wife was running track at USC. So she got good things going. And she comes out in between Pac-10s back then and national, she comes out to visit me, right? And I'm having the series of my life for those three days while she was there. Now, you know, I did make the All-Star team, so that's cool, but she saw me at my best. So after Pac-12s and after National, she comes out to stay with me. And I go in the mother of all slumps. I mean, they were like, we're throwing the ball right down the middle at 88. Everybody sit down like Bingo Long, Travis All-Stars, <laughs> and I would swing and miss. And I'm so embarrassed because I am swinging and missing and my wife, who I just married, probably my mind is going crazy. She she's a loser. She's hearing what people saying in the stands and she's telling me that. I'm like, don't listen to him, you know, and I need to watch the game. And I got to a point where I got so tired of having her hear how bad I was and seeing how bad I was, and she being a former athlete. She was like, you know, well, she was an athlete at the time, like. You know what are you doing what can you do and i'm like i'm doing everything i can like i was just being my eight-year-old son and i just said i'm like you know what i'm tired of this i quit right she goes well i still got a semester left at sc why don't we just pack up our car and drive from jacksonville florida all the way back to los angeles and i go you know what all right I'm about to pack my stuff up i'll be back here in 45 well maybe 50 minutes because jacksonville you got a number of big bridges. I get to the field, it rained, no one knew that I was missing. I see that I am in the lineup playing center field. So I say to myself, So, what do you want to do? We go, Man, let's just get this game in, go home. So my wife is listening to the game on the radio. I go two for three, A couple RBIs, <laughs> another couple, you know, running down, you know, run down catches. The game is over. We win. I drive back home. My wife missed the game because we only had one car. And she goes, well, I guess we're not quitting. And I said, nope. And we <laughs> keep going. But people uh-huh. don't realize, what if I just would have went yeah. there? What if it, it hadn't rained? They go and practice. They realize that I become. I still stay honorary bad character. And all of a sudden, I take my bags back. I'm not sitting there having this conversation with you. I can't talk to you about overcoming yeah." I can't talk to you like, like I know what it's like to get your butt handed to you and feel bad. I get it. I can talk yeah. to you about getting released. You know, I can talk to you about when somebody said, your dream is over with us. And you're hearing this, your dream is over. You're not good enough. You suck, don't ever step back on the baseball field. And, and that's what people don't miss. That's what parents don't miss. Like those are prime opportunities where we miss teachable moments yeah. every single day when our kids step on the field. And I'm just saying, I've been around travel ball coaches. I've never heard them say, "How are our grades doing?" There's no reward for the player that has the highest GPA. Or let's say we got 100 kids in our organization. How come we don't have like bonuses for the kids, the top 10 kids with the best GPAs? We don't talk about that. We just go, just you come here, you hit, you run, you throw, boom, see you later. And that, that's what we're passing along to the junior high coaches. Or we're passing along to the high school coaches and now when they get in those environments they go what the heck is this he's on me he don't love you no he's on you because he loves you and he wants to see you on the field we just have to change the culture of it by having conversations like this
0: man too that's that's right on you know one of the cool things that kind of happened to mike and i when we started um doing projects in the Philippines is we do it out in the outer islands where they don't get mm-hmm. much coaching and, you know, people mentoring coaches either. You know, we start we, we were just JV coaches in basketball at the time, but I mean, this is, you know, 15 years ago now. But um, what we realized was, you know, when there wasn't, you know, they don't have like a, a structured like varsity system. You know, they have a bunch of meets. They don't have regular seasons and then they don't have, uh, kids being looked at officially you know you you're gonna have to like kind of shop your kid if 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 uh you want him to play at the next level like college but you know what happened was it, it could only really if we were going to stick to it it was only going to be about right. mentoring you know it because that was the only th- i mean it, there was no other measurement there wasn't going to be a measurement in wins and leagues and, and stuff like that and then that was so different like coming back to like the US and things like that. Like I get caught up again like like in everything that you're you're talking mm-hmm. about right now. Um l- let me see if we can I'd like to ask you a little bit then you were mentioning about um you know your your career after um high school. Maybe you know it's like you're a, a two sport athlete, two three sport athlete, right? Two, in high two. school four. I didn't, I
1: didn't want to run track. I, two, like, two, I wasn't doing that. So I just stuck with, with football and baseball.
3: <laughs>
0: so so yeah. it, it coming out. Are you, you're being recruited by both or how, how was that? What was that? What was that recruiting process and that choosing process of what was going to be your next step? Like, if you well, don't no, mind that, me that's asking. That's
1: cool. So what happened was, is uh, back then, you know, the local colleges would invite kids out to come and watch games and, you know, let you start to fall in love with that. So, uh, I, you know, I was recruited in, in both and um, only took one recruiting trip in, in football. And when I tell you the school, you like, I can see that one right there. So I took a recruiting trip uh, to the University of Hawaii in February, which is nice. when I have the Pro Bowl. <laughs> So I I went to go see the football. Here's the crazy part. Wow! I'm on this football recruiting trip. It's a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I get them to Thursday, so Thursday, Friday, leave Sunday, right? I go to three baseball games while I'm there. I go to three (laughs) baseball. I do all the functions. I meet with the head coach, so forth and so on. But I'm at the baseball games, and he goes, "I heard you were at baseball games when you're here." And so it made him do his homework. Oh, you're a baseball player as well. Yes, I am. So um, I didn't commit that day because my high school coach uh, told me, like, don't commit to anything right now. Just wait and see. You never know. You might get something closer to home. Great advice. I'm glad he told me that. (laughs) Uh, So I wait, and then baseball season comes around. And Alex brought in uh, Mike Gillespie. Frank Sanchez, so we had Pepperdine coming to our school we had USC coming to our school Long Beach State, Northridge and oh yeah we had pro coaches coming as well to come see Alex and another player Armando (sighs) Fernandez and you know I was the third man uh, to to come along with that and we started winning and playing games and one day I get a call in University of Pepperdine wanted to come to an in-home visit. Oh, you get the so You, get,
2: you get the, the call from Andy Lopez, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, I got, I got, yeah. I
2: got one too, man. That was great. Yeah. In-home. Oh, and man. then
1: the next day, I get the call from Mike Gillespie, and he's in my house the next day as well. Now, growing up in L.A., you know, USC comes knocking on your door. Like, you take that extremely seriously. And, um, uh, Right. <laughs> Excuse me, I told them that I played football right. as well. They were aware of that, but they was like, we want you to play baseball. And, oh, yeah, by the way, John Jackson, who's a wide receiver, also plays baseball. I was in. Like, where do I sign? <laughs> I right then and there right. to go yeah. to USC. And then this thing called the Major League Draft in June came, which totally disrupted all of that, where uh, all three of us uh, end up getting – Drafted, and then that's when I chose to go ahead and just uh, forego college and just go to the minor leagues and and, and play. And was probably uh, the best decision that I could have, you know, made at that time, right there. Well,
0: where we, did you? At first I played play? in
1: Bristol, Tennessee. So I graduated. Alex and I graduated on like May. Could have been like a Friday. Uh, Saturday morning at six a.m. I'm on a flight. To Bristol, Tennessee. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I get wow. off the plane and I immediately go straight to the ballpark for a physical and practice because California get at that time got out of school so late that the season had already started. And so I, I am playing up. <laughs> and it was probably the most life-changing event I've ever been in. Because there there was no prompting. They just said, they tell you what it's going to be like. It's a windy road. Okay. But when you actually get on the road and you go, I need to slow down here. <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh. Like it was for real. It made me grow up in so many ways so fast. We're in college, you know, watching my son go through it. Uh, and hearing my wife where you get walked through it a little bit more. You're talking about going from being in your parents' house to totally free and independent. And I got a couple dollars in my pocket. Like man, I was Kanye West. You couldn't yeah. tell me nothing. <laughs> hey
3: Terry, I never oh, told you. Man. That. you to
1: ask <laughs> just, t- just tickets. Just tickets. We don't
2: because, you know, that was... Don't, the, don't ask that him that now. Remember when we Uh-oh. got drafted? And I, I never forget when you got drafted. I, that same day, remember we had to do the uh, pledges or Religions, whatever that thing was? Yes. And then the announcement comes in. Oh, we want to congratulate Tarek Brock. He just signed. And every and everybody in my... I was on my ESL class, take an ESL. And, I said, <laughs> and, and, ESL. and I had all these Mexican kids there, I'm going to be a professional ball player, man. Like, yeah, you're going to the pros. Yeah, wait, they're going to say my name. And then they say, Tarek Brock, Oh, congratulations, you know, the Tigers, blah, blah, blah. And then they shut down and they'll look at me like, "Hey, Holmes, why did they never call you? They never said anything. they come oh, man, that was crazy, man.
0: And, well, Tarek, when you so when you get to Tennessee, your your first stop, you know, I would imagine like, you know, in if you're playing baseball and um, you know before that time, you're playing with a lot of guys like in high school your age. Um, I mean, I don't know, like if it's like you, you know if you pick up games and play with older guys, but is this like your first experience? Like you got there's a lot of. Um, are, is there is most people around your no, age, most of the players no around way. your age, or are they oh, a lot older? No oh man, very- like, you you
1: mess around and you know, like I had a guy on my team that went to Georgetown and was going to be a doctor, but just happened to get drafted, and he was like twenty six. Wow! Um, so wow. I I know wow. I was the youngest player in the league at that time because when I got drafted I was seventeen. So I'm going to my seventeen okay. playing against at that time would have been college seniors, you know, guys that was, you know, three, four years out of college, uh, you know, playing. So it was immediately the talent level changed as soon as I got off the plane. It, yeah. You, you And then all of a sudden, wow. uh, now this is where we're behind in the States. So kids that come over from the Caribbean, they're already facing guys that are drawing 94, 95, 96, right? We get over here, like the we okay. we faced Brett Tomko, and he was only throwing 88-89 at the time, and he went on to have a great, you know, major league yeah, career. Face faced him in the playoffs, but but we yeah. we were only play on Tuesday, him. Thursday, and Saturday, where they're facing those types of arms every day. So I play three games in a row. I'm winded. I'm tired because my body has never experienced going. You know having drake days going back to back playing games. You know, and with the intensity and focus that you have to have. And so it's like you don't know what you you're getting into until you get on that road and that journey. All the stories that we heard, mine was not like what anyone else shared with me. <laughs> and then you get the culture shock of you playing all those days. You know, you gotta worry about food where when you're in high school Like, your mom takes care of your dinners, you eat lunch at school. Like, all of a sudden, I got to figure out, when am I eating? You know, budgeting my money. Wait a minute, we got to pay a light bill? Like, what is this? I didn't know about paying no damn light bill. I I thought that this $350 check was just for me to do whatever I want. You mean to tell me I got to go to Food Lion and I got to buy a loaf of bread and some meat and some mayonnaise. And I got to eat that to this next check because I did get those Air Max 91s, the black and purple for my first check. Like uh, I was treating myself. I bought my own shoes. Yeah. Like, I was feeling myself like Nipsey Hussle. So it was like, right. I wasn't prepared for that. And so now what Pro Bowl yeah. is doing is that they're hipping guys to, you know, being able to cook for themselves, um, manage money, You know, pay bills, doing everything he can so that your first year you could just focus on adapting on the field. I had to adapt on and off the field, that was hard. And then, oh, yeah, you know, at least Alex knew a little bit of English. I had teammates that I I was playing an outfield with that I couldn't communicate with them, (laughs) and they couldn't communicate with me. And I kept saying, I took two years of Spanish, and this (laughs) junk ain't working.
2: I remember like, that. what's going on? Like, wait a minute. You know, yeah. Tarek always came up to me. Uh, you know, we, we we didn't spend much time. Of course, in baseball, we spent a lot of time. But uh, Tarek always had the time to come and ask, hey, Alex, quiero un poco de comida. Always throw a couple <laughs> of, of Spanish or something. I'm, like, I'm like, wait, you want to speak Spanish to pick up the girls or you really want to speak Spanish to talk to me? Like, what are you saying? Oh, right. <laughs> Uh, uh, man, he was practicing but yeah, but I uh, can for feel for what Tarek was going through because uh <laughs> if you look at it in Tarek, when I came there, I was going through not at that you know, at that level where you were doing in the minor league is a different animal, you right. It's uh like you said yes. you're, you're competing with twenty-three year old guys that are pissed off that you got drafted, now they gotta play you and he's like, Well I've been here five years, I'm wow. stronger. So you gotta go through all that stuff, the language and all that, and not only that, guys. The pressure of not performing and being cut the next year, like, ah, oh, we don't need you. You weren't what we we thought you were gonna be. So on top of that, you got that pressure that you had to produce right at all times to maintain. But uh, but yeah, man, it was uh, those those were great right. years, man. I'm, wow, that's that's crazy. Well,
0: um, if you. Uh... When, when you know, a lot of times as, as uh fans, you know, we watch uh, you know, all these um uh, not necessarily documentaries, but like, you know, uh uh, pros talk about coming up in their, you know, their rookie years and things like that. And a lot of times you hear him talk about like a vet that kind of helped and, and, you know, helped them out and things. Now in, in your situation, were there older, um, more seasoned uh, players that kind of took you under their wing or was it just every man for himself? Or At the h- very how was beginning, that?
1: it's it's like for like the first five hours, you feel like it's every man for himself because coming out of California, you're so behind where these, most of these guys had already, their first day was all together. So like everybody land, yeah. you, know, you go to this big photo lab where we stayed in and everyone experience was the same that first day. Well, I came after they were already rolling. You know, they'd already made simple mistakes that I was already gonna make. And you're trying to play catch up. But <laughs> one thing that you could you could rest assured was like, the bus was at this time. And with a house full of guys, somebody's going to be hungry at the same time as you. And so it's like, do you want to walk across the street to the food right. line playing Frogger and try to cross the street, you know, to go to the deli section and get you a sandwich and a drink before you head to the field. And, and so then you started to share things and, you know, guys that have played in that league before, and this is our second time through are basically helping you, so it's basically it was like my second time going through but my first time walking through it with going with them and then as you go along with guys that are doing very well back then they would share more but when guys were struggling then you know they would basically just be to themselves so right. uh, yes i had it uh, i really experienced that more as the years would go along uh you would experience it and it be, it becomes like a true uh, brotherhood where
2: guys will actually help you out,
3: you know, during times like that.
2: Hey, John, John, quick story, man. Yeah, uh, it's it, this yep. is uh, it's like we remember we were talking on the last podcast about how sports bring everybody together and stuff like that, right? So so I moved here in two thousand three, and yeah. I find out uh, through Moises. Remember Moy uh, Tarek? Yeah. You know, Moe tells yeah. me, Hey, man, you're in Florida. You know, Tarek is, play, is with the Tarek is with the Marlins, and I'm like, really? He is. Oh, all right. So you got his number. Yeah, I me. need number, and I reach out to you. I remember, you were uh, I think you were with the Marlins at the time as a coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. So I reach out to you. Hey, you know, when can we meet? Yeah, you know, come next week. Why we meet with So that's the la- that's the first time I see you, and then I don't see. I don't think I see you until uh, 2016 when when you came with the Padres, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah quick story, man. So I'm scout I'm already like four years in. I, I scouted for five years. I'm like four years in and uh we're Lakeland, Lakeland, Florida, uh where we take uh the best high school prospects in the state of Florida and uh all the all the scouts uh make four teams, the north, south, east and west. And we always did it in Lakeland. Lakeland, the, you know, you spend many years there, right? And the tiger uh, Lakeland facility, yes. right?
3: Yes.
1: So we're
2: there in one year, uh, Every time um, when the it's like a three day uh, tournament, they, they do a showcase uh, Friday, then they do games Saturday, Sunday. But Sundays we do like, uh, you know, I belong to uh, the, uh, flo- the Florida scouting uh, group, whatever group of scouts in Florida. And they do like a ceremony where they uh, they give the best coach of the year award, the best scout, you know, like a nice little ceremony. Right. But that, we took that, uh, that time to, uh, uh, with the scouting director and uh, the cross-checkers, uh, you know, when I was with the Mariners, to kind of do like a meeting, you know, like before the draft and talk about the players and all that. And my supervisor, remember, I was an associate scout. I wasn't a super. I was a supervisor. I wasn't signing players. I was just uh, the associate of my supervisor. But uh, Noel, his name is Noel, he took me to every event. So, I'll, I'll, you know, the guys were treat, treating me like I was like a big-time scout, you know, but I'm only an associate, you know. Uh, so that was the tournament they always took me, and I never forget these dates, I never told you this. So I'm sitting in this table, uh, uh, waiting for the meeting, and we're having a couple of drinks, scouting director, uh, GM, the cross checkers, all the big guys, right? And I'm like, you know, I'm the lowest guy there, but they know me, right? They, you know, they've been around with it. So um, this man, i never forget it. Uh, I think it was a GM, special, a special GM uh, with the Mariners at the time. Big guy, tall guy, like six, 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 five 6'5 guy. Uh, and he sits next to me, and he's like, "Hey, how you doing? A fig, right, Fig? Oh, how are you? Think, oh, you know, I'm hanging in there. How you doing? I'm hanging in there, man." And then, uh, and I'm looking at the table, Tarek. This is classic. Look at the table, and the tables, and in in that uh, park had a bunch of baseball cards from all the players that played there in the organization, right? You uh, know, and as I'm talking to this guy, he's like, he goes, "Hey, Alex, uh, where do you play ball at?" And I'm like, "Oh man, uh, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, but I graduated." Uh, out of uh, Hawthorne High School. And he goes, Hawthorne? Really? Hmm. You know, I was the GM of the San Diego Padres back then. What year you graduated? And I was like, uh, 1991. Oh, I was there that year. And listen, Tarek, I look at the you know I'm talking, and I look at the table, and I find your baseball card. It's in front of me on that table. This is classic. And I'm like, <laughs> and I go, oh, wow. I go, wow, look, this guy here, and I mention wow. your name to the, to the GM. I go, hey, uh, this guy named Tarek Brock, we got drafted uh, together that year, uh, 1991. So he goes, Yep, I remember you guys. I remember I went to go see you guys play. I was like, Wow, what is more, like, what is more world that I find your car when I'm talking to this guy? And he knew me because he, <laughs> you, cause he saw us that year. I'm like, Wow, what is, that, that was more world, man. I was like, Wow. So then I asked him, well, Can I get the full time job? <laughs> <laughs> You, <laughs> you, you had to get to the ass.
0: Oh my god. Um. So, Tarek, when I you were talking about um your first stop out of high school, and we were talking about um you know these these vets, I wanted to ask you about um the coaches. So here you are. You're a 17 year old. Um, young man who's you know got got dreams of playing professionally like for for a while and how do the coaches and the staff like what's the interaction there where what where they're telling you this is what are they saying this is what you need to get to the next level this is what you have to have in your bag or this is how you have to act as a person or you know just like teach you the whole the whole all-around game is that happening like that over there
1: Absolutely, that's exactly you know how it was. Where um, you were taught what time to get to the field, right? There was like you know stretches at four, and so coming from high school, like you showed up at four to get dressed to
0: stretch, (laughs) Uh, right?
1: Like you are dressed, (laughs) you are ready, and you are on the field. So when the trainer comes out back then, because we had no strength and conditioning coaches, when the trainer came out. You walked over and you stretched. I learned that really quick. Uh, Be on time for the bus, which is the same thing. It was a rule. If you're not, you know, 15 minutes early, you're late. And it was just in, remember, it was the early 90s. So we still had coaches that had, that were trained by military dudes. So that was the mindset. (laughs) Right? So that's what the coaching was, was old military coaches that passed stuff along. and, And that's how it was. So that's what the introduction was. You wore a collar shirt to the field, right? That was at yeah. home and on the road, you wore a collar shirt, like you you dressed like a professional, which sometimes it was hard, it was hot. You got a collar <laughs> shirt, it's humid and you're sweating stuff out and you're like, man, like it would be so much better if I could just wear shorts and a t-shirt. I think mean, you wear, you know, shorts, but you couldn't wear the t-shirts. And so they schooled you, you know, there was weights. That's when I really got introduced to weights was in 91, like going to the local YMCA. I had never been to one in my life before then, but we're lifting weights on the YMCA YMCA at 11 a.m. and knowing that we're going to stretch two to play a game at 6.30. Like life was completely different. And so there was an education. They've definitely gotten better at it now. Uh, Right. But it was like, now it's like, okay, this is what you need to work on. This is what you need to do if you want to get to the next level. This is what you need to be consistent at. And I'm saying it's softer now than what it was back then. And so, and then you worked. And there yeah. was no like uh, load management back then. It was like, I remember taking a, a grocery shopping basket of balls and just hitting it through the five, six hole. Like, that was all I did, which is just hit that ball there before we had a regular bp like i was learning how to work back then and so and that was the introduction to the grind yeah so that's what people don't understand and that's why i like baseball is so unique like i know basketball got the g league but you yeah, yeah. about you're looking at i just got drafted i'm looking at the major leagues and i'm looking i'm in short season rookie ball. And I'm looking at all these other players that I have ahead of me, and I'm going, how the heck am I gonna get there? You have that quick moment, but then you just get back into the grind of it, and it is, yeah. it's every day it is relentless, and it it can break you if you're not ready for it. Mm, no, wow.
0: When you are, um, as you're going along in, in your career, are there points that you can pick out? Uh, whether it was from, you know, players older than you, whether it was from coaches, words you heard from them, or just experiences you had playing where you you were like, hey, I'm I'm ready for whatever the, the next level is. Like, were there little pieces? And I don't know if that's a mixture of mm-hmm. um, experiences or people talking to you that, hey, you're doing well. Like, what kind of, how do you know you're on the right track, basically?
1: As you go along, like early in your career, you, you're not necessarily sure. You just know that if you go to Instructional League back then, which was from September to back then, November 1, like you were part of a group that the organization deemed to be valuable and they wanted to get a little, little extra love, a little extra coaching. So if you got invited to that, that was a cool thing. But once you started playing the full season and you have a good full season, And we're talking from April to September, which was a long time. You immediately saw the guys that was ready for the next level. They were just just more consistent. And it's funny because it's almost like you just waiting and all of a sudden, boom, he just popped. He just went off for the first half of the year. He got promoted. Yeah, he should have been. He was better. And so you start to see yourself getting off to a start. And some guys just keep going. And when you're young, like I was, I was 17. My first full season was at 18. Like I still should have been in high school at that time. Right. So I got tired. So I started out hot. I was holding it. And then I got, I started to get to the deep end of the waters. And all of a sudden I, my, I couldn't touch the bottom of the pool. And all of a sudden I'm starting to sink. And I'm like, oh my gosh, just hold on. Just hold on mm-hmm. to get that second wave. And then you go, okay, I got to go back to this league again next year. But you're hoping that you get promoted like everyone else. Right. And then mm-hmm. the next year you go out and going back was the best thing that you ever ever could have happened to you because where you saw where you started to fade or pitches that you would chase last year that you're not chasing this year. And then you start to see it's going. But it wasn't until I was in high A, I made the all-star team, I was leading the league in, in triples at that time, and I kept saying, "At some point in time, I'm gonna get moved up." And then other players start doing it. And the next you know, I got moved up. Now here's the thing: I was ready, but I wasn't ready.
0: Okay. Because the jump. Explain that one.
1: <laughs> the jump from high A to double A is where men are. <laughs> uh-huh. So I hit my first ball. I'm in Trenton, New Jersey, and it's a big fan. So you go from the Florida State League, you're playing in front of grandmas and grandpas and people down for family vacations. So there's people consistently in the stands. And I walked out, I'm like, it's 5,000. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) So I get a ball. That was And then you, you show up, your batting average is 0, zero, zero and you guys hit 340 with 26 home runs. Like, I ain't seen 26 <laughs> home runs all year in, in A ball. This dude's got 26 by himself, and he's walking around <laughs> like just tremendous swag. I'm like, man, I want to be like that, right? And so I get a ball, and I hit my best ball, where in A ball I'm trotting around the field. So I hit this ball, and I'm, I'm in my jog. And I'm seeing the center field hustling like Rick Ross. I'm like, what are you doing here? And he runs the ball down, and I oh. run the base. And the first thing I heard was, you need to get in the weight room, son. What are you talking about? Like, I'm eating everything I can. And I learned it was a different game there. And the pitching was better. Like, instead of missing over the plate, they was hitting corners. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to learn how to hit again here. So every level you go to, you got to learn how to hit for that level you got to learn how to compete for that level, both, like, and I'm going to say this, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And what most people miss is that emotional part, emotionally competing, which means that I'm going to be an SAT player, smart, athletic, and tough, tough tough-minded, tough in my position, tough to just be relentless where I hit this ground ball and I'm so disappointed in myself, but I'm going to still give a good effort, good energy down the line. Well, most people
2: like hey, Tarek. Tarek, mm-hmm. real, real quick. Did you ever meet a guy named Luis Alisea, former player? Um, uh, he coach, yes. He coach. Yeah. Remember Luis Alicea? Yeah. So Luis, uh, that day we saw each other. I'll never forget that day we saw each other. We took a few pictures in uh, 2016, 17. We, uh, we that day I was supposed to scout. Uh, me, being, uh, me and me and my supervisor were supposed to scout the game, but we run into him, and he's a great story, uh, storyteller, uh, right? And, uh, and, uh, and the experience that he you know, 13 years in the big leagues, played at FSU. Uh, every time I see guys like that, I want to pick their brains, right? So we're talking a whole nine innings. We're like, just talking, talking, talking. And that hitting, the hitting uh, part of uh, of, uh, of the game came up. And I, now that you mentioned that about learning how to hit at every level, he mentioned that. He goes, you know, uh, I still, I still uh, you know, former major leaguers now, this is back then, uh, like Carlos Beltran and you know, all the Puerto Rican guys that are struggling in the big leagues always call him and they fly him so that he can go through uh, the hitting thing, right? And he mentioned, right. Alex, you know what the problem is with all these guys, man? They, they need to know, they need to know that if you and rookie hit 30 home runs and now you're at A ball, you're not a rookie pitch. You're not facing rookie pitch no more. Now you got to learn how to hit here. And they, these guys think that because I hit 30 home runs, I'm going to hit 30 there, right? Like, the adjustment, right. At, right. The adjustment at, every level, at every level of the final league, whether it's rookie, able, double-A, and even when you're back and forward from the big leagues and you play some triple-A, it's a different animal, right? I mean, you know, and you've been around this, thing. it's so hard to hit that ball. Man. So hard. And to do the consistency is even harder.
0: Yes. Well, Tarek, you mentioned, um, you know, this, you know, idea of, you know the leveling up and and you know things being that you know something again that you start over it's a little bit unfamiliar i mean in the sense of you know that either the type of competition you're playing um but what about including the competition i mean is it the competition among your own teammates as you get closer to like hey, we're, we're right there almost making it. Does that change? Does the interaction with the players change in, in coaches as that level increases where you're, you're, you're knocking on the door of, of um, you know, the majors?
1: Yes, everything, or is... everything changes. The, ex- the first thing changed is the expectation. Okay. Like, that's the first thing that changes. Like, they expect you to just do things that uh, you should do at that level. Um, meaning when you get to to a, you know, you expect a guy to have a routine. And what I mean by routine is like something they do to prepare themselves, to get on the field, to work on their craft. And while you're on the field where you're in the cage and you're hitting a routine that you can take that will prepare you to go out for batting practice. And when you have batting practice, that routine that you use to get you loose to that timing to get you ready to compete that night at the game. And yes, you're gonna chase pitches, but they the, you'll chase pitches there that balls that are balls on the plate compared to that was a ball out of his hand. Like you knew that was not a strike as soon as it left his hand. Where in double A, a guy might out of ten times, he might do that five times. When you could get the mm-hmm. triple A, like that should only happen once.
3: <laughs> right,
1: And so there's a difference where the expectation like changes as you go along. And then the demand is higher as well. <clears throat> and so that's where most guys struggle with the expectation and the demand. Even if you're exactly. immature, like I was that day, now you're in trouble. Now you better hope your talent that you're blessed with your God given talent ability will be able to buy you more time.
0: So you, you know, I watch these movies like, you know, baseball movies and things like that. And, you, you know, they always have this uh, kind of uh, when you get on a team, it's like, hey, man, that guy's been to the show or that coach. Used to like he was in the league, you mm-hmm. know, like, like there's, uh, you start starting to meet more people, I would imagine, who, um, have played at the level that you're aspiring to or, you know, coached at that level. I mean, you know, you, you see it all the time where, like, you know, former like superstars are now like coaching, but they start coaching at, um, not, maybe not coaching at the yeah, highest like level. Did you run that. into, yeah, did you run into, to, to, players or coaches like that who had already been in the league and or been at the highest level. Yes.
1: Yes. I mean, I had several coaches that, that had played or at coach and, you know, they, they would share, you know, the things that you guys are doing here is, is not done there. Not that it can be done, okay. there, but they, they don't do that there. Uh, they would, they would share with you the, you know, it doesn't look like that. Like this is what it, it looks like. And so they, you know, they would share stories. And so you would go and try and take the words that they gave you and put a picture to it or try and put a picture to it. Mm. And sometimes it will work for some and sometimes it wouldn't for others. It just depends on, yeah. on you. And so when you would, you would right. like most times where you would notice that your coach played in the big leagues is we're all signing cars and like, Hey, I got a couple, you know, cards of your coach, and you would look, and you were like, oh, yeah. man, Dwight played in the big leagues with the Tigers? <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And all of a sudden, yeah, that right. just gave Dwight a little extra validity. And on top of that, he was already right. a great guy, so I'm going to listen to him a little bit more, because you start asking questions. And then sometimes it, it could be a blessing, but also a hindrance because people are not asking him about his time, and it's about your time. And he wants to focus on your time, more than his time, and now is not the time when we're doing it. So it's like you don't want to miss your opportunities, wasting your moments, and that's the one thing that most players miss. It's like you don't want to, you know, miss
0: those those moments. Man, you know, Terik, I it's man, I really appreciate you sharing this. I, I'm trying to picture myself and thinking, man, what I was doing at seventeen, eighteen, I was no <laughs> way I would be prepared for something like this, uh, right? Know? Um, well, you know, you're, I I know you you played a long time professionally. Um, what was it like to, you know, as you move up, you know, and, and I know you, you played in the majors, like what, if you don't mind, what, what's that like to get that call? And then, I mean, knowing your path I'm sure you had a lot of ups and downs to get Mm -hmm. there like what what does that feel like when that finally happens
1: it's it's you play it in your head what you think it might be like and when it happens it's never like how it how it would be (laughs) right I I was fortunate to make the team out of spring training and that was a cool thing uh, right there and when you get the word is when you get the word And the first thing that goes through your mind was all the people that helped you along the way, right? You start thinking about family members. At that time, I thought about my wife, that I had promised her that I would make it. And it was times where it looked like I wasn't going to make it. And I finally made it. So I couldn't run out that room fast enough. I tried to be cool, calm, and collected. And they was like, you can go ahead and you can smile. And I'm like, yeah, like you pumped up because you're letting out so many different emotions and it just comes out in the noise, whatever that may be. And you, you think about those times and it's not real until you got that, that uniform on that's not a spring training uniform and you walk out on that field and you go, oh my gosh. Like Wrigley Field looks like how it looks on WG. Man, I'm
2: Wrigley Field.
1: And then you go, "Um, I'm, I'm here. Like, I'm here. Like, oh my gosh. Like, and you know, you forget that there's cameras out there. You just, you're just playing the game. And it is like the coolest thing ever. But I could tell you when I got my first at bat, I couldn't stop shaking so much. You would think I was Gregory oh, Hines after I was just shaking. And it wasn't <laughs> because it was cold. I was shaking. It was like, oh, my gosh. Like, but as soon as that first pitch, go and it's like strike or ball one, it's like, okay, here we go. Like like you're you're in it. But it's like you need to have that moment, right. that deer and like moment. And then, boom, now you can go from there. Right.
0: Man, it it's uh when you how, through this whole process. I mean, you you're given a, I mean your life to play in the mm-hmm. sport. I mean, you have since since you're a young boy, and, and everything just keeps leveling up and leveling up. Along that way, are you thinking about hey? When I'm done playing, I still want to be in this game. Or are you thinking along that way? I mean, I'm sure it's there for other people. Like, oh, I want to be all the way out. I mean, obviously, you're coaching now, but was that part of the vision along the way or after? Um, for me, it's like I just plan on having a you know a 20 year
1: career, and that was it. <laughs> it. It's 20 years, but it wasn't the way I thought it would be. <laughs> right. So uh, I was playing. And I remember being one of the older guys on the team. I had already had made it at the major league level. And now I'm trying to get back. And so I had, you know, Terry Collins, you know, the former manager yeah. of the Astros and he, he was the yeah. farm director of the Dodgers and he was like, T, you know, you should go to triple a, but we want you to go to double a and help out these young guys and, We'll give you extra money. And I'm like, all right. When I agreed to that, that's when my coaching career actually started, but I was still a player, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know it. And so he goes, I want you to go down and I want you to help these four players out. I go, man, all right. I'll take the money, but okay. I'm still thinking about myself. So here is the names. Yeah. You ready for the names? He goes. I want you to help out this kid from Hawaii named Shane Victorino. Oh, Victorino. Yeah. Yeah. What? Ooh, right? Yeah. So Shane Victorino and I, we would go to every outlet mall in every city that we would go to. Like, we were roommates. Like, we went to the field at the same time. Like, I'm, you know, I'm paying for taxis. You know, I'm paying for meals. We're doing Next. that. So that was one. The second player was Edwin Jackson, who's played for almost every team in the major leagues. Edwin Jackson. Journey guy. Yeah. Right? So I'm sitting there, and that's cool, which four years ago, I actually coached Edwin in the big leagues, which was crazy. We would laugh about the times where we were playing Sega Genesis in my hotel room. (laughs) And then we would go (laughs) over to the mall, go to the food court, and and I would take the money that I got, the extra money, and I would buy those guys (laughs) snacks. The other guy was a guy by the name of... Jason Repco, uh, who played with the Dodgers, was a good ball player. A guy named Reggie Ambercambri. Ambercombry.
2: Yeah, Amber-Combry. and
1: yeah. so Red And then also during that, it was like Billingsley, Broxton, it was like guys that came along during that time where you go like, oh my gosh. When I look at it now, it's like my coaching career started back then, and I did that for like two years. Wow. And I remember Dino Ebo, who's a third-base coach with the Dodgers right now, and he was with the Angels. He came up to me. He was like, man, you'll make a great coach. You know, you want to coach one day? I was like, yeah, when I'm done playing a long time from now. I didn't know that's going to be like three years later. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I ended up being a, a player coach right there. Had no idea what I was doing. But I was just giving back and grooming. And because I remember Eric Young, taking care of me when I made the Major League team, right? We would go out to right. eat, and everybody would, you know, would chip in. It's the big lizzie, like, man, he would take my little money, my 40 bucks, and I would go down for dinner. And <laughs> hand, like, what are you doing? Like, this is defensive. I'm like, I didn't know, you know, you know, taking me to places to eat and ride with them to games, and then bless me with a couple suits where it's like, oh my gosh, like, I heard it. I never knew it was wow. true, but I experienced it. it was like, that's the best thing ever. Uh, and just see seeing him now, he coaches with Atlanta. So every time I see him, he looks at me as the the little brother that he took care of. And when I'm I step on the field, like I'm doing everything I can to beat him, and that's my way of just showing right. respect. That man, I appreciate what you did, how you helped me pick apart pictures. You know, like he taught me so much, in just in that short period of time, to where it's like, man, it, you just give back, and you know, I think this was just going to be my path. Like, I was on this this planet to, to coach men, league men through baseball. Yeah. Wow.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But, you know, at, at this point. No, John, you know, go the, ahead. the good thing about that. Go is ahead, you know,
2: know, Remember, at this time, Tarek is still playing baseball, and he probably feels like, I'm sure he felt like, I can still, I can get back in the big leagues, right? That's why, that's your main thing, in, in your mind, you're like, I want to, because you already tasted, I already been in Grigley Field. I already been in the show, I want to get back, right? But this coach, this guy's like looking at you, Tarek, like, hmm, you know, you probably show some coach, you know, you, you you probably you were a player guy, you were probably helping kids along the way, you've been already in the system ten, you know, more than a decade, right? So you could have mm-hmm. t- you could have taken this a, a different way. You could have said, tell that coach, hey, man nah, man, I ain't going to mentor nobody that's going to take my job. I want to make it. But, and you probably blew. You know, some some people probably would A lot of people did that, you know. A lot of people had chances right. to, to get into that coaching thing and give back. They didn't take the chance, and now they're out of baseball, probably regretting, oh, my God, what if, you know, if I would have done that, I could be coaching and doing this. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's good that you did that because, you know, at that point you're like, hey, I know I can still play. But, of course, I, people help me on, along the way. Let me give back, you know, which is a good thing.
1: Yeah, I I look at it as, like, I was trained the right way. I had the right people touch me uh, the right way. Like, you know, people ask, like, what's your motivation uh, of coaching? And it comes with this. It comes with good coaching, bad coaching, horrible coaching, good coaches that that connected with me and coaches that didn't connect with Mm -hmm. me. And I remember saying certain things that, resonates now with me. It's like, well, I don't want, you know, I don't like a coach that does this. So that came as part of what my mental note was. Like, you know, I I, I hate it where our coaches would ask us a ton of questions and you would ask them questions they wouldn't answer. Like, so why, why am I giving <laughs> you this information and you're not giving me nothing? Like, you ain't got to tell me your life story, but just answer a doggone question. You know what I'm
3: saying?
1: Right. They, they came from the model where it was like, coaches was over there, players was over here and we didn't operate like you you know you talk at me and not with me or to me to help me like that's just how it was and so they would reach certain people and certain people that they, they wouldn't reach and some people would be better because they just didn't want to hear that coach's mouth I'm just you know that's just where it was and am like I didn't want to be that guy
0: you know so I mean at this point now, I mean you've been you've been coaching a, a long time and you know, I, I was looking I looked you up on Wikipedia. <laughs> but you know, you, you've been in uh you know, several major league organizations, I mean like, you know, out there on the field on that level as, as a coach and I mean, is there um you know, as coaches always seem like there's like some principles and philosophies that we always kinda keep with us. Do you have, like, I don't know, man, could you explain, like, <clears throat> not your purpose, but, like, when you're out there working with these young guys and trying to not just develop them but win games, like, what it, what's your, like, overriding principles or philosophies in in being a coach? Like, the kind of coach that you want to be. I don't know if that's – I know that's all a little bit out there, but I just kind of want to get your heart
1: well, on Well, the, the, the first thing I did with, with coaching is – I just wanted to help. And I think that was the best place. So my heart was in, in the right place. Now, did I have any content? No. Uh, did I have experience that I could <laughs> draw of? Yes. So I would teach from that standpoint. And that's why you start on a rookie ball. Like you can't really mess players up that much, but you can't, you know, cause you don't have any content. And so what you do is you would take, that spring training time and the things that you would learn during that time. And you would have the coordinator that would mentor you as the year went along. But what happened is when you would step out on the field and that, that coordinator was gone, it was just you and the players. And I'm going to say this, my first year, my players got better because of the relationship and the fun we had more so than the content that I was able to deliver at that time. And I I just I didn't want to mess up like I didn't want to be the cause of it, and so that was it. And when you have younger players, that you can get by with fun until you get some content, and then you'll be able to go. And then you would just see things, and that's where the playing experience would come in. It was like, man, I see this is what you're struggling with the ball away, you know, all-speed pitches, and you would remember what did I do, and then you would be able like, let's go out and let's hit off the curveball machine. Let's let's put the fastball machine down in a way and just, just, just see it. Just see if you can recognize it. And so I would take where I feel like I might have not gotten what I wanted at that time and I'm able to give it to someone else. And I think that's where coaches start to develop. And so so that, that that's what where I was, that's what my philosophy is. It's like I want guys to feel good about what they're doing, I want them to feel like they are informed, I feel like they got an advantage. Going into the game, let's play it with tremendous right. energy, and we'll take the outcome and then work at it tomorrow before the game. That's what getting on baseball. You got
0: tomorrow, um, d- dude. That's awesome. I when you're when you're talking, I, I was thinking, you know, you as a player, you've had a progression, and now as a coach, you're having a progression. Is this um, where you're at right now? Is this where you see yourself staying or do you have like a heart to either, you know, I mean, I don't know, like, is, is there a a place where you can move up to in the sense of, you know, I don't know, holding your own team or I don't know what, what's in your heart is going forward as far as goals you have in coaching uh, organization wise. Well, Right
1: now it's just to, you know, be the, uh, <coughs> the, the best, First base coach on my team, which I'm the only one, (laughs) like, compete compete against my team every day in in that regard. But then also just take everything that I learned this year and let that take me where it could. If it takes me across the diamond at some point to third base, that would be great. But the ultimate uh, end goal would be to to manage uh, an organization, manage a major league team. And so it's just there's some more lessons that I need to learn. You know, there's some more uh, mistakes that I probably need to learn from and just keep going from there. I, I, and I believe that's, that's just what it is. It's just some things that I haven't seen yet that I need to see, and it just comes with just continue to just mature as a coach and just keep learning. Uh, and there's always new things that you know you can learn from year
0: to year. Yeah. And that that's awesome. I, I, I mean I know we, we just met here on, and you know, we haven't met in person, but I don't know, I just I love it when I hear you know, just that um I, I don't wanna call it ambition or anything, but just that hey you have a vision for for where you wanna go and you know, how to give more. I mean obviously the the, the as the role changes you're able to, you know give in, in more ways as well and man that, i don't know it just makes my heart feel good to hear you like man i want to do this and and ultimately get get over here um i want to ask you you know that we were we've been doing this thing i don't know if you i'm, I'm sure you're a bad us a big sports fan as well and you know they got this um jordan documentary on right now right the last yeah, dance if yes, you're watching I have. any of that i've seen them all <laughs> it's funny because i mean when you're sharing your your uh you know they did they showed jordan come up through you know the you know uh, what is it uh, mm-hmm. in north carolina on episode one and i'm kind of listening to you kind of in that same way like hey this is you know that path you know um but the last few episodes was the episodes when um you know jordan was was playing uh for the yeah, in the white yeah. Sox organization right and so this i mean this is the exact same time when you're yes. playing right yes so when you guys as as uh is just players what was it like when you heard that jordan was going to to baseball just just if you could re- remember um, that Just time.
1: speak frankly there were some dudes that was offended like dude was a big, yeah. like he coming over and like <laughs> double a, but dude was thirty two years old. Man, like he wasn't gonna go to short season rookie ball. Like let's let's do that. Let's do that. Right. Um, we knew that the game was hard. He just had to see how hard it was. But like he was a tremendous athlete, and so it was like people go, he's thirty two right. years old. So there's a part of me that goes, okay, thirty two. Uh, he hit two hundred one. Tim Tebow, 30, Mm -hmm. hit 200 or 199. So, and he did play in the fall league. And so there's things that was done where I go, okay, so they truly believe that he would have made it to the major leagues. That remains to be seen, but I can't negate that he's a great athlete, but I do know how hard it was, and I was playing every doggone day. You know what I'm saying? Right. Now here's right. where yeah. the, the humility come in. I didn't have the same drive that he had. I didn't taste the same success that he had. Mm. I didn't have the same drive that he had. So now when I look at it, I go, man, I was out of pocket. You know, I've just looked at he he's taking jobs for people mm. and it's like, no nah, man, that's how the world is. It's, he had an opportunity and he did everything that he could to capitalize on it and he did get better. Can't deny that. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you can't you can't deny right when you're young, you hate on them and you just got to call right. for what it is. Like we yeah. always like, man, he coming in here, but he had in commercials. Like, Be like Mike. And we would sing it until Mike came in our territory. We like, hold on, wait a yeah. minute. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wait a uh, <to> right. minute. <laughs> hey, that's, that's what it. makes him great. Like that's what makes him great that he had that, that drive. Where I'm like, dang, I wish I had this type of story right. when I was coming up, like give right. you a measure were that you things right. that you could pull from uh personally and be able to grow with yeah
0: right well i mean i i think that like you know we've all i mean we were from la all of us so like you know it's i, I wasn't right. i was a magic right. fan you know so i was always i was looking at any reason i could <laughs> right. to hate on jordan you know but but i mean that you know you talk about that drive in I guess when you are someone who who knows how to push for something, whether you become successful or not, like you have that opportunity to, like you said, draw on that and use that same type of uh, um, focus and try to implement it in somewhere else, whether that becomes in business, off the field, or, or whatever it is. And and you know you, I mean, you're a winner. You know, you, you you're not trying to, you know, go out there and just, you know. Not give your best, you know, or, or not do absolutely everything it takes. And I mean, you know, it was amazing, but I, yeah, man, at the same time, just as a fan of basketball, was, you know, I was, I i mean, I hate to say it, man, because I don't want to teach my kids this way, but, but I was trying to look at every failure that Jordan could have. I was <laughs> trying to celebrate
2: it at that Thanks, time. Yeah. No, no,
0: that,
2: what were you going to say, Alex? Because of course, uh, at the time, um, when that happened, uh, I mean, I was playing college ball, but I, every baseball player you ask that is the first reaction, the same reaction Tarek just, It's like it's just so disrespectful. It's like, dude, here we are. I am in college trying to get to where Tarek is, and Tarek is in minor leagues trying to get to where he wanted to go. And, and like Tarek been through the path, like the 10 years of, you know, being by himself, doing everything by himself. I mean, Jordan, Jordan comes in with – $7 yeah, million dollars in his in his account, and it's like I'm gonna do this because of course. I, and I, now that I watched that episode seven, it looks like he kind of did it more because of his dad wanted him to do it, kind of thing. You know what I mean? And he felt he had already, uh, suc- you know, uh, got all these. Uh, you know, he got the three rings uh, that he was bragging about. Hey, uh, you know, Bird and uh, Magic never got three in a row, so I want to do that. But one thing, if you notice, yeah. uh, a guy, yeah. one thing I noticed in the in the documentary, uh, when the was talking about it, he was not supposed to go straight to double A. Remember, it's Michael Jordan, right? So he could not um, the media, so he he had to go to double A. So he was actually thrown in in the the hardest, uh, to me, uh, the hardest uh, league in in the minor leagues, which is double A. And hitting 200 for someone that didn't do it for 14 years, I was like, whoa, that's, I don't know. That I was kind of I mean, I, yeah, that's tough. There's tough so to many be.
1: things that I, yeah. I take from that when I watch, and I go like, man, like, there was so much foresight that we couldn't even see. Like, he definitely could handle the press. His yeah. manager was Terry Francona. Like, like seriously, like, there's so many things that guys took. Like, there's so many ball players that probably went on to have great success because they saw how hard Michael worked. Yeah. We worked. But they were able to right. pull. Like, Tito had to handle, you know, having the biggest superstar on the planet right there, you know, every day working to get better and don't want to mm-hmm. let him down. Like, he even went to the fall. So I saw some things where Michael probably made Terry Francona a better manager because he had to handle just the, the circus, the traveling circus that was going on every day
0: yeah. during that time. That's a great point, man. You know you're, and then I think I I wonder how do you think it feels if if you know let's say you're you're, you know fighting for that major league opportunity, and you're on a um, you're on uh. A team with Jordan, and he's bringing eyes now. Like I mean, like you, they showed those uh, yeah. those games. So it was crazy. Ridiculous. I mean, right. it was a, it was a circus. You know what, what 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 does that feel like? What do you think if if uh, if you're on like you, his team?
1: You I you mean, see was... that your own TV every night, so it was an extra added because your 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 family members would get to see you where they probably wouldn't be able to see you. You know what I'm saying? Like you're hanging around greatness right, right, every day right. in, in Michael and. You, you know, he's struggling probably like just like how how you're struggling. And it's probably, it's an experience of a lifetime for right. everyone. And Michael said, you know, I'm getting treated just like I'm one of the guys. And and he was, you know, he was just one of the guys. He wasn't that superstar that you yeah. just put on the 23 and just go to work on people. Like he had to work at this day and night. So that was, that was the coolest thing that, that you could see from it. And the cool thing is like, I'm glad I wasn't there because, probably wouldn't have had a mature enough mindset to see what was going on. And it could drive you one way or another. I'm sure it made some dudes up their game. But here's the thing in, in understanding the business part of it. If Michael Jordan took your position in that, you probably wouldn't trend it in the right direction during that time, too. And that's where reality sets in. Oh, well, he took jobs away. No. If you were on the bubble, that was on you. Like, you earned that. Like, you earned that part. So it's like, business why wouldn't I take a shot on a dude like Michael Jordan? This is the best the highly decorated decorated athlete in the world. Like why wouldn't I take a, a chance on a dude like that?
2: Yeah. <clears throat> you guys are there? I think we yeah. uh, do die I kicked that.
3: <laughs> yeah well while we're waiting for john Derek um I just wanted I, I i was asking alex to remind me to ask you um what are your thoughts on just the whole um situation uh before this whole pandemic um went down with uh just um the Astros and the Red Sox? Is that something you can talk about or is it something that most coaches uh, well, just um, leave alone?
1: You know, all, all I can say is that I i was in in, in Houston uh, in 2014 and, you know, I didn't experience uh, any of that, um, you know, what was going mm-hmm. on and, and you, you hear all this stuff on online and you would see it and you go, okay, I wasn't there. I didn't experience it. And so whatever MLB found, we weren't all given the information. So I just got to trust that whatever decision was made was for the best of, of the game. And just, just look right. at, at that um, and just go, just move forward, mm-hmm. just do everything that we can to make sure that we safeguard ourselves from being open to being taken advantage of on, on the field.
3: Yeah. Right. 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 Um, were you able to co- uh, play against Jordan during his time? No. Or, um, no. It was a different, was that a different, different league.
1: league during that time. It was '94. I think when he came, was it what year was that exactly? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I want to say
2: '94, '95. Yeah. Uh, before 94,
3: the '94, '95.
1: I was probably. You were still in A-ball, right? Was, I was still an A-ball then. Yeah. 94, 95. I was still in A-ball, so I missed him. And even went to the Fall League. I went after that uh, as well. And, you know, and he would only really played for that, that year and a half. So uh I, I missed him. Uh you definitely will remember that for sure if you if you played against him. Yeah. Um in, in in that regard. So yeah, but I, I look at it like this. You know, I got to play against some of the greats coming up throughout Jeter, uh, Manny Ramirez. Like so it's like, okay, I you know, I might not have played against, you know, a superstar basketball player, but I played against some dudes that went on to do some really, really cool things, same organization as A Rod and King King Griffey Jr. So it's like I I'm I'm cool with that.
3: <laughs> so who who were the top five players that you played against during your career? Man. Uh
1: top five uh, here, here's the cool thing. Uh played against Griffey when we were uh, when I was in Chicago. It was the coolest thing ever, uh, to just play a- against him and, and, and see him do some things. Uh played against Mark McGuire. Uh that was cool. Like, oh you know what? I did play against a two sport athlete, which was Deion Sanders when he Deon, was in Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah, Like, that was cool. That was a whole yeah. different level yeah. of just speed. Oh, my God. That was know, you in know, high school, that, yeah. that was you in high school, man. <laughs> yeah, it was like, <laughs> wow. Like, this dude is fast, you know? Um, and so that, that was really, really cool. Um I'm just trying to think of some other guys. Like, here's a cool one. Like, if you grew up in Southern California, like, you know, my first stolen base, The Catcher, That was uh, catching that day was Benito Santiago. Oh my idol, my idol.
3: Santiago, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah,
1: like that. When I think about that, I'm like, that's so cool right there. Like he and he was the coolest thing. Like, so it was just things like that where you you just you just experience and you go like, wow, like that was that was really cool. You know, having a battle for Roger Clemens and Pedro Martinez. You know, just throughout my career, you go like, Man, I said getting hit in the butt by Randy Johnson uh at the end of a spring training game where I'm in high A ball in Lancaster and he's working on his slider and one gets away from him and hits me just dead square in my butt, where it's like, Oh my gosh, like I felt like this ball went through me. Uh you know, just just seeing that, just <laughs> seeing how some guys just look massive and playing alone. With Sammy Sosa, who at that point had you know hit sixty six, sixty seven home runs, like playing next to him and just seeing how he went about his work, it was like, wow. Okay, this dude is on a whole different level. Like we went to Japan because of Sammy Sosa. Yeah. Wow. To open up the season in two thousand.
2: Wow. Wow. Hey, Mikey. Quick, quick story. So, Tarek, remember yeah. you mentioned you uh, went to Hawaii for the recruiting trip yeah so did you did you get to uh, see any uh, college uh, college baseball games from the University of Hawaii there where you were there or just high school games I did yeah <laughs> yeah so listen so quick story so 1994 so remember I get I don't I don't sign out of uh, um, I mean I wanted to sign so bad but now nah, you gotta go to college blah 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 so remember back then they had the draft and follow so yes the, the, the guy the, I don't know if you remember so after my junior year, I get a uh, I get invited by Armando Fernandez to go to the Phillies uh, scouting team. Hey, come with me. Let's go watch with the play with the Phillies. So, anyways, I play there, and this is that's where I got drafted because I hit like crazy there. But they never saw me catching. I was play, I was DH and I was playing with Mike Lieberth, uh, Mike Liebertho, Royce Clayton, Dimitri Young, all those guys, right? So. Yeah. Right? So Derek I'm playing played, there. I'm yeah. just hitting and I'm killing it, Tarek. When I got to my senior year, I knew I was going to get drafted. I just didn't know where, right? But they right. never saw me catch because Armando told me, Tarek, <laughs> our... this guy, oh my God, I got this Puerto Rican guy. He's got a gun. He can hit bombs, right? So when the season was over, I go to Puerto Rico for a month and I'm, you know, drinking, eating. I don't pick up a ball, a bat, nothing, right? So I get back to the <laughs> States and Armando's like, Hey, ready? We're playing tomorrow. I'm like, Tomorrow? Really? Yeah, I'm gonna pick you up. Blah blah blah. So we get there and who I'm playing with Royce Clayton, Mike Lieberthone, uh Dimitri Young, ha- like half of the minor league players that were in A-ball. Because remember that back uh, they don't have any uh They don't like in the in the Caribbean. They have uh, a winter league, you know. There, they don't. They just got scout. Back then, it was just scouting teams, and they mix the high school players with the minor league players. Right, Derek. They put me. They put me in right field, leading off. (laughs) 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 I'm like, what am I? What what am I doing leading off? I, I don't run that fast. I'm like course and i'm facing a guy that was in double a you know going about to be in triple a the next year and i'm like "Boom!" i get a I hit a ground ball to short stuff when i run to first base with everybody had the stuff was there all this guy's like when i run like a six flat to first base <laughs> like,
3: every,
2: everybody look at me they all look like, this is the guy you said that he can run he can't run and i'm like man i get back to the doghouse
3: and this, one of this guy
2: goes hey son uh you, you, Someone, the Armando said, "You can run." I'm like, "Nah, man, I'm a catcher." I don't know why he said that. I don't, I don't run. <laughs> so, anyways, of course, of course, I couldn't <laughs> catch there because of Clayton and all the other guys. But they let me hit the edge. But then I started hitting. Bah, bah, bah. That's how I. That's how those guys get in the. They start following me and they go to Hawthorne and yeah, start going to the game. But my scout never went to see me. He went to see me. Remember the last game we lost in the champ? It was at a state champ. We faced La Mirada. One of uh, yeah, Edison uh, one of those big teams, yeah. and we lost on 10, 10 innings. We lost a big one. That's when the the scout that uh, was watching me play all those games, he goes for the first time with his cross-checker there. And he's like, hey, yes. and I'm warming up Daniel Jess on the bullpen. And he's like, hey, Fig, you catch? And I'm like, what? Like, you knew I was a cat. Like he never saw me play in high school. He still <laughs> drafted me. He drafted me for what I did in the summer. That's kind of crazy, right? But Yeah. Anyway, quick story to Hawaii. So, quick story to Hawaii. I go to I go to El Camino. I get a scholarship, and I end up in Lewis Clark State College in Idaho. It's like a power NAI high school. And because the head coach was a former USA uh, uh, coach, his son was playing in Hawaii, so we got invited to like a Division One tournament every year. For the two years I was there, we went to Hawaii for a week to play. Uh, Division One schools, right? And when I, get, when I, you know, that moment you were talking about, you know, you go from a ball and then you're playing against three, four hundred people, then you go to double lane. and you got five thousand, six thousand people. I had that moment there because you know it's you know Division One. I mean, Wichita State was there, Clemson was there, Tulane, Rice. I mean, big. This is big schools, you know. And we're a, yeah. we're a school from Lewis Clark in Idaho. You know, NAI. No one wants <laughs> to play with us. You know. But this is this is where this is where I get my first. So I'm sitting in the stands waiting for a game, pack right. And this kid, you know, I get I feel like a thing in the shoulder, like a little knot in the shoulder. And I look and this this kid has my baseball card from Lewis and Clark. He goes, "Can you sign this card?" And I'm like, "How the hell?" And I'm looking like, "How do you have this baseball card?" Because we used to have baseball cards in Idaho, you know. And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Wow!" Looking around like. Is this a joke? I am like, "No, can you sign it?" I'm like, "Sure." And I'm like signing it and guess what what signature I put in there? <laughs> I put Benito Santiago. <laughs> <laughs> Santiago! <laughs> and I Benito Santiago, and then when I gave it to him, I never, I never, I never forget the, the, my teammate. He goes, why did you do that? I go, dude, you know who Benito Santiago is? Dude, that's like my idol. though. Like, I'm a catcher. I want to be like him. A... So that kid is going to look years from now. He goes, I got Benito Santiago's autograph when he was in <laughs> <called." laughs> <laughs> But But, but uh. Tarek, fast forward What a great story. Fast forward to 2001, I'm hanging around with the Dodgers, you know, Alex Cora, Hiram Boca Chica, like, oh, Eric Gagnon, that team, you know. And we're out. We're out and about. And, of course, Benito Santiago, the Giants come in town and we're all hanging out together because, you know, the Giants had a bunch of Puerto Ricans. They had a, Ramon Martinez was a back uh, shortstop. They had Armando Rios. I, I played play ball with Marvin Bernard. So, it's like 15 of us, man, going out to dinner. And Benito was there. <laughs> so, so, I go up to Benito. I go, hey, man, I got a story for you, Benito, man. You know, I'm a big fan of you. I grew up watching you. But when I was in college, man, I did something I got to confess, man. He goes, what you do, man? <laughs> As Said my first autograph in college, I sign it with your name. He goes, Look, if that car's worth some money, you gotta pay me back. That's what he said (laughs) to me. But what you know what that, you know, I've never made it to the level you play, Tarek, but hanging up being those years, just being around the clubhouse, hanging around before, and I'm hanging around with with Kevin Brown Sheffield um Jack Jack Clark that when they hit BP I sat next to Jack Clark Jack Clark which I used to grow I grew up watching them playing in the, the World Series with the Cardinals remember back in those days mm-hmm, and I'm sitting here spitting, talking baseball to Jack Clark mm-hmm. about you know my friends hitting BP Alex Fore and Boca Chica I'm like wow I, this is wow what a moment man that was that was some good moments
3: wow Hey guys, um, I, we wanna thank you for uh, this time. Um, unfortunately, we're um, up on the time here for the recording. Uh, John can hear us, but unfortunately we can't hear him. Uh, Tarek, Alex, again, thank you very much for this opportunity just to uh, talk and share um, stories, but also for you, Tarek, to share your um, coaching philosophy. We really appreciate your time. Um, Alex, I'm gonna have John try to contact you to see uh, what we can do to, again, yeah, for sure. And thank
1: Thanks you again. That, Tarek. We'll no problem. Thank you
3: for having me. I appreciate it. All right. All right. Have a good night All right guys. Take
0: care. All Be right. Safe, guys. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed that, um, interview and sit down with Tarek. You know, I'm just so happy that we got to do that. Thank you, Alex, for setting that up. It's just, um, man, uh, A blessing and just an honor to like be able to uh hear people's path in athletics how it led to their development and just you know how much the competition camaraderie and things that you experience along that way you know teaches you and then being able to transfer that and share that with others man it's just it's it's so much fun being coaches so again Tarek thank you so much for taking the time to go on come on and those of you guys who are listening you know I I hope that you enjoyed that and could take a lot from that I myself I'm taking notes on as I'm listening to it but um you know unfortunately uh with the n2l foundation we you know we've canceled our um camps for this year due to the pandemic but you know it hasn't changed our vision and our plans for the future the things that we're doing here in the philippines and in the united states so uh keep on the lookout for that buhay n2l nothing to lose lifestyle thank you see you guys later